let me take a moment and introduce, um, I'm not going to say, I'll just say my beautiful better half. Kathy is my wife, and she's going to be helping us this morning, and, or she's going to be helping me, or I'm going to be helping her, however, however all that plays out. But we wanted to take some time this morning, and um, we've already felt the power of God and the presence of God move very freely and real in the room. But sometimes it's all right just to take a step back and to talk for a few moments so we can receive the instruction that we need or so that we can <clears throat> communicate on maybe our, our behalf of experience and talk about just life. And, and uh, Stephen Covey, uh, he was a business author, um, wrote in the business world, but he had a great illustration that he called Big Rocks. And this morning, we wanted to take a few moments and borrow that illustration and share that with our church family for a moment. But we've taken some creative liberty and license like we often do so that we can uh, maybe appropriate it to where we are as a church and where we are in our lives together. We're better together. We're better together, right? Everyone knows that we're better together. And um, yes. But not only that, we are better, better together. When we are all doing life better and when we're all walking through uh, the experiences that God has gifted us to walk through, we all, <clears throat> when we do that better as a church, thank you, Pastor Matt, um, we have the opportunity to, to be a better, to be better families, to be better individuals, to be better communicators. When our, when our family units are strong, then our church is strong. And the more strength that sometimes we can integrate into our families, we feel that in our church family. That the stronger we are together, the stronger we are together. We're better together. I, is anybody in that club, the guys whose wives that are better than them club? Every guy, you can raise your hand. I'm going to start pointing out the people that didn't. Anyhow, we all have, we're, we're, we're in this thing called life. So if for a moment you would with me just imagine, and uh, Pastor Matt, help me pull this illustration together. So I thank him for that. But if you could just imagine with me that this container is your life and or our lives, if you're married or your family or however you want to say that. And, and we all have things in our life that that um, before we get into the priorities, we're going to talk about priorities this morning, but before we get into priorities, I want to take a few moments this morning and just talk about some of the realities that we all have in our life. And uh, rather than risk us breaking one of these aquariums, um, we thought we'd just take a moment and get the work done ahead of time. But if I would for a moment, uh, just let us know that there's some things in life that, that are just a reality. They just, they just come, it's like sand in our lives, Right? There's some things that we just all got to deal with. It's just they work their way into our everyday experience. There's some things that, that we didn't want that show up. There's some, anyone just, anyone love sand in your shoes? No, none of us like sand in our shoes. I don't even like it all over my fingers right now. Um, 
but but the reality is is that we've all got realities that work into our life. Before we introduce any of the priorities, we we want to talk about just some of the things that that make life a little bit gritty sometimes. The unexpected, the unintended, the uninvited, those things that just show up in our life. To, I, I know that one of our staff members in their family, they had a flat tire this week, unexpected. Just a, just a good old flat tire. But a flat tire at the wrong time turns into a big problem. You know, like when you're expecting to be f for an appointment and then that appointment gets, you know, everything kind of gets jumbled around and things have got to get scrambled. It's, that's just kind of like an example of sand, sand in our, our life. It just kind of works its way in. And, and if we're not careful, the realities of our life can begin to determine the priorities of our life. The realities of, of our life, the things that we have to experience that come unwanted, the sediment that just kind of works its way into our everyday experience, can, make, <clears throat> can begin to, to make life complicated. It can begin to make life compressed. It can begin to make our lives so that it's just kind of, it's just like, well, what are we going to do now? And now we've got to jumble our whole day, and that impacts our week. And, and maybe sometimes the wrong sediment in our life begins to impact our month. You know what we're talking about. Some of you are just kind of relieved that that wasn't a casket up here. You're still kind of just still in shock. You saw, oh, thank goodness, that's, that's not what we're talking about today. But, but, you know, then we've got other realities that we've all got to deal with. Just, you know, sleep. Anyone get some sleep this week? Anybody? Pastor Matt's laughing because I'm guessing with the new baby on board, that was limited. Anybody else? You know, I don't know. if you get Emily would say, I try and get six hours of sleep a night. Someone's like, oh, I wish I could get seven hours. Anybody shoot for seven? Anybody, you're just kind of one of those, I need solid eight, or everybody's going to know it. Anybody? Kathy's nodding, and I'm nodding with her. That's true. She's not lying. Um, so if we, just took, if we just took eight hours, well, simple math, 8, 16, 24, there's, there's a third of our day right there, 33% of our day is given just to, you know, let's shoot for eight hours. Let's, let's shoot for that. And, and so, a, you know, a third of our day and a third of our week and a third of our life is given just to sleep. It's just the realities that we've got to deal with. That um, we, we need it. Doctors say it'll, it'll lengthen our life. Doctors say that it will um, <laughs> benefit our spouses. Doctors say it'll benefit our kids. Doctors will say it's helpful for us to learn. Doctors will say it's better for us physically. Our body likes sleep. We love that. So, but we can't do anything about it. So that's just a reality. And, and if, if we're not careful, that, that reality, we're just going to make that a part of our life. That's a third. We've, we've, we've all got to work for the most part. Um, we've all, we've all got to spend time. Let's just say we shop for 40 hours a week. And then we got a little travel time. Let's just round that up to another 25%. So 33 and 25, if I'm doing math right, that's 58%. We're left with about 42% of time left in our life. And I know Kathy's going to cover time. I'm not trying to, to trample all over her. But what I'm just saying is that we've got to get to sleep and we've got to work. And, and, um, and then big one for Pentecostals this morning. Uh, big one for Capital Community Church. Had the banquet here on Friday night. We've all got to eat. I'm going to guess it's an hour, a couple hours a day just to, by the time we prep for meals, or let's include groceries, let's include all, all those things we've got to eat, so we've got groceries and cooking and cleaning, and, and if you don't do that, you've got sitting in drive through or sitting at a restaurant, or you've got travel to and from the grocery store, you've got Tim Hortons, you've got McDonald's, you've got Starbucks, you've got skip the dishes, you've got, I don't know, 
but it's time. It's, it's just things that work their way in our life. And if we're not careful, all of these things begin to, to, to make our life even more compressed. And we've got personal hygiene, and we've got clothes to wear, and clothes to buy, and clothes to wash, and, and personal time. And then we can, we can say personal hobbies. We can justify all of those activities, and we can say that those are needs in our life. At any given time, they are. But if we're not careful, those realities will push out the room for our priorities. Then all of a sudden, when we begin to try and, and take the priorities that God has required us to have in our life, and God gives us very clear indication in Scripture that we've got no room for the priorities because it's been pushed out by the realities, by the troubles, and, and, and all those things in life. And then all of a sudden, we've got to fit everything in the box. And so then all of a sudden, what we're doing is we're... We're cutting away at the things that God requires of us and the things that God has asked of us and the things that God has placed in our life. And we're left with a, a less than great life because we have allowed all of these realities to push out the priorities that God requires of us. So we wanted to take a little time this morning and just unpack a few of the reasons why we have got to make the priorities our priority in life. Um, how many would say that you would agree that, that family and time and the treasure that God places in our life and faith and, and talent are all priorities that God has given to us and we should make them a level one concern in life? You know, we, we talked about it. We talked about it as a staff and we talked about it as a couple and we said, you know what? Should we break it down into three things? Time, talent, treasure. Should we just talk about time, how we manage that, should we talk about, you know, and, and I think that after a little while, we just kind of settled on these, and we said, you know, these, these are five areas that we feel are level one priorities, these are the things that we can't miss, these are the, the opportunities that God places in our hand, that we have a responsibility to do something well with them, we've got, we've, we've got the option to, to uh, fumble the ball, or we've got the option to take these big rocks and make them a part of the priority in our life. And, and some of you, you know where we're going with this illustration, but hang with us for a little bit. Um, we've got to make room for all this. And the, we, the good news, the good news is, is that we have room for all these things in our life. The good news is, is that God didn't give us an unreasonable expectation. God didn't give us an unreachable responsibility. God gave us the opportunity to do life well. And, and uh, as we work together, as we talk a little bit this morning about these priorities, I, I, I would just like to, to, to emphasize those in our life before we let all these other things in life make up all the room and take up all the space that we make sure that we understand why God has placed these in our life as priorities. Is that okay? All right, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, I think the first thing that <clears throat> I want to talk about and uh, Kathy will chat in just a second, is, is our family. And, and I, I was so um, excited and blessed to do the dedication for the Moros this morning because that's really what this is all about. Um, that our, our faith and our family becomes priorities <coughs> for us. And uh, how many know that it all starts with faith? Faith 
that beginning, that gift that God gives to, to every person. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We talked a little bit about that on Wednesday night, but Romans 12 and verse 3, um, it states this, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than, highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so if we were going to kind of take a moment and say, okay, if God has made sure that every person is given this, this large responsibility called faith, if God has placed that in every person's life, what is our, how do we live that out? How do we walk that out in our daily walk? How do we talk that out in our daily talk? What, what does faith look like? Just, you know, I know we get in our mind what faith looks like. It's that prayer of faith. And we get in our mind what faith looks like. It's, it's that belief that God can do anything. And, and, you know, but if we took a moment and we stepped beyond that, how, how does faith live out in our lives? James, too, said it like this, even so faith if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So our faith isn't just supposed to be something that, that's this intangible belief that we hold in our head or this, you know, this heartwarming trust that we have in God. It is that, but it also works its way to the surface of our lives by what we do, by, by our activity. And, and the great thing is, is that if we say, okay, God, this faith is a big rock that you've placed in my level of responsibility. How do I walk that out? And, and I think with the beginning, we've got to start with our own personal lives, with individuals, each of us as individuals. How do we work faith into our personal life? Number one, I think, is that we begin our day with prayer. We begin our day in the word, personally. That's not, not with our family, but with each of us as individuals. And what are we saying in that moment? We're saying, God, my time is not more important than my time with you. God, this time that I am pausing to invest my life, invest in my life, your word in my life, if that, that, that time that I'm taking is saying that I trust that that word is going to work in my life. And, and we begin to exercise our faith. Our belief in God starts by believing that his word is necessary for us. Our belief in God starts with us making that personal declaration to ourselves that my communion and my communication with God has got to be a number one priority because God can say more to me in a moment than anybody else can all day long. So my faith is lived out in that moment personally when I choose to talk to him first. So that's a priority. It's the number one priority. Everyone say faith. Faith. So, so personally, that's, that's got to be... Um, you know, how that is lived out in our lives, that it just, it starts with us as an individual in that small little circle, that smallest circle of your life, private prayer, private reading, and personal testimony, that that personal, your, your personal words through the day begin to impact those around you. How you respond, what you say, the words you speak, how you react to troublesome situations, your level of encouragement, your care for someone else is your testimony. Your faith is on display in moments like that. And that is one of the ways, personally. So if I say personally, you start there. And, and you begin to put the rock in the right place when you personally make that priority in your life. Personal prayer, personal reading, private testimony. 
your actions on a daily basis impact the world around you and you begin to declare your personal level of faith. You're putting that faith in the right place. Corporately, so then corporately, um, let's talk about how this impacts us as a body working together. Your faith is also on display by your choice to attend service. Um, your faith is on display by you placing a priority on that time that you invest in the kingdom of God coming together as a church family. That priority speaks about your faith. Say, well, what is faith? I, I'll tell you what, it begins with these works where we begin to allow our activity to preach our level of faith. We say, we say our faith becomes that priority. It's a big rock in our life. And we do that because church becomes a priority. God's word through this unity, through this unit called the church, God's, um, God's your understanding that you have a responsibility in this body of believers declares your level of faith. That um, not only do you need something from God, but you understand that your church family needs you. Your presence, your worship, you, you, just the fact that you're here. We all need one another. We are better together, and we need each one of you so corporately. And, and so it's not just about our attendance. It's about our level of involvement. Um, we attempt to engage uh, with our church family, and we attempt to engage with the spirit and the presence of God. Um, and we try and create opportunity for that at every level. We talked about that a bit already. Is it 11 o'clock already? I don't know that you're good for an hour. Okay, here we go. Ready? Personally, corporately, in our community, our responsibility, it's a priority. Someone say a priority. Faith is a priority. Kathy, go ahead. Here we go. I want to talk about talent. How many of you would admit that you have talent? Oh, come on. Boy, have I got a word for you. <laughs> the word talent comes from the Greek word talenton and the Latin word talentum, which means a weight or a sum of money. And in English, we get the word talent from the parable of the talents. Everybody remember that? And it basically means a lending, a valuable lending from God. It's not yours to keep. And talent is one of those huge rocks that needs to be in every one of our lives because we all have it. God gave every one of you talents and abilities, every single one of you. The Bible says we're all born with distinct gifts that are set apart from each other. And I can promise you, probably my talent doesn't look like yours. I remember when I was growing up and I took home ec and I thought, oh, they're going to teach me how to sew. No. When God was handing out that talent, I was, I was somewhere else. I don't know where I was. I remember sewing a skirt and um, promptly the waistband, I put it on and the waistband fell off. And I decided then and there 
My husband actually has that talent, and I'm not even kidding. I brought home... <laughs> Sorry, this just came to me. I brought... <laughs> we do have time. Because <laughs> I have the mic. <laughs> I decided later in life I was going to try to sew again. Surely I could do it. And I brought home a bunch of fabric, and I was going to make simple. My friend said, they're just simple. You can sew a straight line, simple tab-top curtains. So I brought home the fabric, and I looked at it, and I kind of scratched my head, and I thought, oh, I had to take my kids to a birthday party. Well, when I came home, <laughs> someone had the curtains sewn. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that talent. <clears throat> and I can assure you I don't have the talent of carpentry. If I were to build anything, it wouldn't last until supper time. But God has given us all unique talents and abilities, and guess what? We need every one of them working together. Some of them are more visible than others. Some people, you would rather die than get up on this platform. Anybody feel like that? You're too shy to raise your hand, see? Some people might... Some people are honest. But we all have talents and abilities. What does scripture say about talent? 1 Peter 4, 10 verses, verses 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Exodus 31, verses 3 to 5. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut out and set stones. To work in wood. And to engage in all kinds of crafts. Now, we all know about the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It took a long time to build it. It was extravagant. It was beautiful. But that tabernacle could not have been completed without everybody doing their part, using the skills God had given them. Some people have an eye for design. Some people have an eye for, for whatever. But it took everybody working together to complete the tabernacle. Noah could not have built the ark if he had asked me to be the carpenter. It would never have floated. <laughs> but he had people who were skilled and who were able to help, and everyone came together and did their job. Did you know that on a typical Sunday in this church, it takes about maybe more now than before when we did this, um, when we did this uh, counted up the volunteers, but it takes somewhere around 90 people every single Sunday in order for us to, to provide a church service, to have greeters out front, to have ushers, to have Sunday school teachers, to have musicians and singers. And if we all sat on our talent and said, oh, the church doesn't need me, we wouldn't be able to do this. Because people use their giftings and their callings, we're able to broadcast. We have over 90,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel that goes out all over the world because people share their talent. Don't be the one who buries their talent. I have had people say to me, oh, this is a big church. You don't need me. Let me check with the pastor. Yeah, we do. We need you. Look at your neighbor and say, we need you.
So what is your talent? What is your gift that maybe you've been hiding and sitting on? There have been people, I know there are some of you probably that can sing very well that we don't even know about. There are some of you that have the ability to teach a Bible study and you've never done it before because you're fearful. I'm calling on you today to find your talent and your God-given ability. And God is asking us to enlist, to step to the plate, and to share it. Find the time to put talent in that box. It has to be part of our lives. What would happen if we used the same talent and ability God gave us in our work that we use in our workplace, because I know you use it there, what would happen if we brought that to our church? If every single one of us in this building used our talents, what could God do? It would be amazing. Amazing. So there are many talents, music, tech ministry, teaching Bible studies, kids ministry, hospitality, both greeting here when guests come in, that's so important, but also you, if you have the gift of hospitality, you can open your home. You can do a Bible study in your home. It's just one-on-one, -on -one. and some people have that gift. You just have a gift of making people feel welcomed and loved. That's a God-given gift, so use it for his glory. Visiting seniors, shut-ins, those who are lonely, ministering to the sick, the list is endless, but I ask you this morning, what is your talent, and are you giving it to the kingdom? You can just leave that on back there, guys. I'll mute it up here. Um, and your talent will make way for your treasure. Your talent yields treasure. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, we can begin to look at other treasure chests that other people have. Um, we can begin to do the math and think, well, where's my treasure? What's my treasure? How does my treasure compare? Can I tell you that God, um, he gives liberally and he gives, um, he gives fairly. And God sometimes understands the level of opportunity that we have in our life. And, but here's what I do know is that God does give to every person treasure. God places that in your hand. And, and the scripture already gave us indication that it's not always uh, even, but God is always fair. It's one treasure or two talents or five talents because God understands the level of responsibility that you can handle. So don't, um, don't dismiss because treasure isn't about what we possess. Treasure is about the opportunity that we have to give. Treasure doesn't, uh, it shouldn't increase our standard of living as much as it increases our standard of giving. That's the responsibility that we have with treasure. And if we're not careful, um, that priority, that treasure priority can get out of sync in our lives. And so one of the responsibilities that we have to ensure that our life flows and functions in the way that God designed it is that if we're careful and we're mindful and we're prayerful about the treasure that God places in our life, that we do something with what God has given us, not just for us, but to impact the world around us. Um, the Bible says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. So your talent will bring your treasure to the surface, but then we have a responsibility to do something with that. And of course, we have to finance our, our present. We have to, you know, some of us are still financing our past. It's called credit cards. Um, it's okay. Some people, we've, we've been there. 
Um, and then we also have responsibility for our future. So those are all things that we have, have to understand. And God knows that too. God expects that of us. God says that we need to count the cost. God says that we, we have that responsibility to our family. But <clears throat> beyond that, God has privileged us and blessed us to be in a part of the world that has great blessing so that we can impart, impact and impart to parts of the world that don't. So our responsibility, one of the big things that we have with a responsibility, with that priority of treasure, is that we not only take care and finance ourselves, but that we finance the kingdom of God. And I'm not, this isn't a plea for money. This is just a reality. Of course, our tithing is something that we tell God we trust you with what we have. That's God giving back to God what is God's. But then there's still treasure that God places in our life. And we have an opportunity. Someone say opportunity. And a responsibility to impact our world and the kingdom with what's left. And when we put that in our life, you watch how things begin to come into order. Because when you place God, how much someone just say order? The Bible is a, is a tremendous word about order. From Genesis on, God created the substance to house the creation before he created the creation. It's all about order. He created, you know, I'll give you a simple example. He created the earth before the flowers. He created the sea before the fish. It would kind of look, you know, a little odd if the fish were just flopping around there before the water was created. But God created, it's all about order. And God places order in our lives. And, and treasure is about placing things in order. So God first, our family, but then we don't just consume it all there. We make sure that there is treasure left to impact our community and our world. That's a responsibility. That's a big priority for us all. That's a big rock that we need to prioritize. And if we get it out of order, you know, if we get it out of order one way, that, that treasure part, it's, it's called workaholism. It's called mammon becomes the God. We, we can begin to allow our lives to become ruled by what we earn or by what we possess in our bank account. We begin to look at what we have instead of what we can give. That's, of course, we, again, I'll go back. I don't have to qualify everything, but it's, we have to take care of ourselves. But God places some things in our life, some treasure in our life so that we can impact and impart to our world. And when it comes in order, money doesn't become a God because we're willing to give it away. And when it becomes out of order, workaholism isn't a problem because we have all these other priorities that require our time more than just building up treasure for ourselves. Moth and rust do decay. But when we build up treasure in the kingdom, it's eternal. And that's a powerful thing. If you, if you go the other way, I'll talk about that just for uh, 1.8 seconds. Um, when you go the other way, you're lazy and broke. <laughs> Enough said. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about time. This is the big one. We are all given 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week, 728 hours a month, and 8,736 hours a year, and yet we still find ourselves saying what? I don't have time. Why is that? It's because we're not prioritizing it properly, and very few people get it right. I'm still working on it at my middle age. <laughs> So how do we manage our time properly? Time is a precious commodity. And a couple of years ago, we were asked to participate in um, the wedding of one of the young girls who was very close to our family, and she moved to another church. 
And so we um, attended the rehearsal, and then we had gone back and stayed at a hotel about 45 minutes away. And we thought we had lots of time. You know where I'm going with this. So we get up the next day, and we had a leisurely breakfast. We took our time. Isn't it nice, ladies, when you have time to work on your hair? And, you know, I had lots of time. I was so relaxed. Finally, we meandered around and said, well, let's head out, you know, and get ready to go to the wedding. And we were getting ready to leave the hotel, and our son calls us, and he's already he's involved in the wedding. He says, Mom and Dad, are you almost here? And my husband, I should add, was marrying marrying the <laughs> he was he was performing the ceremony <laughs> and I said we have lots of time we're going to be there in lots of time just cool your jets we're good he said mom we're getting ready to go out on the platform oh my stomach sank to my feet Let's just say it was with red faces that we showed up after the ceremony to the pictures <laughs> and the reception. We didn't make it on time because we thought we had lots of time, but we didn't have time. <laughs> time. But you know, in every season of life, I've always felt short on time. I remember being a kid out playing and mom would call me to come in for school or church or whatever. And I thought, but I wasn't finished whatever I was doing. And then when I was in high school, juggling everything, and then a, a new, newly married wife, you know, I wanted to provide this perfect home for my husband. And I still remember the first time I had my in-laws over for a, a, a dinner. And I had somewhere read, or I didn't actually, that a baked potato took about 20 minutes to cook. And I can still see my father-in-law trying to saw through that baked potato with his knife. <laughs> this is great. Unbaked potato, yeah, unbaked. <clears throat> Time. And then when I had kids, and then as they got older, and even now in this season of life, I still find myself saying, where did the time go? Where does time go? I never seem to have enough time. But, um, and I'm way off my notes. We, if we could pre prioritize time into three little subcategories, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be super quick. Number one, obviously we need time for our jobs. I'm not going to talk about that. We have to work to eat. <laughs> so we need time for that. We don't, we don't have a choice about that. But we also need to take time for our family and for relationships, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we have children, whether our children are grown. We need to make time for each other. In the, in the church family, you, we need to make time for each other. That's what this whole month is about, better together. Because we need each other and we need to make time to spend together. It's not going to be good for any of us if we just say, well, I just don't have time. I don't have time to meet this person for coffee. I don't have time to go visit my parents. I don't have time to spend with my kids. We can't afford not to take time. That has to be part of our time allotment. Relationships are incredibly valuable. And again, we are better together. We need each other. Um, time to a relationship is like water to a plant. If you water it, it will grow. If you spend time with your people, your relationships will thrive. And if you don't, you'll lose them. That's just the way it is. We need each other. We need time for relationships. Number two, time to recharge and rest. Some of us are really good at this, too good at this. <laughs> and some of us are not good at it at all. 
75% of workers, especially through the pandemic, have admitted they experienced burnout. That's a true statistic. I read a staggering statistic about pastors and ministers and how many have left because of overstress and because of too much too much on their on their minds. We need to take time time to rest our minds, our bodies and our spirits, all three. And let me just tell you, you don't get a trophy for wearing yourself out. If you don't rest, your body and your mind and your spirit will suffer. Period. Your relationships will suffer, your health will suffer, and you will not be productive because you cannot pour from an empty bucket. You can't. We talk about Psalm 23 and we focus on the part that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We love that part. But we don't focus on the part that talks about lying down in green pastures by still waters. Because sometimes it's easier just to keep going and keep on the hamster wheel than to stop and be still. And I've been thinking a lot lately about the scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. God can't speak to us when our minds are going 24-7. We need to quiet ourselves and we need to learn to be still. And I know there has to be a balance. We have to be productive. But we have to make time in every day to be still and to recharge. And that means, obviously, like he mentioned a few minutes ago, we have to take time to refuel and recharge our spiritual batteries. There is no way I will ever be able to give or to minister to someone else if I first don't let him minister to me. If you don't hear anything else today, please hear that. Every single day, you have got to make time to be with him. And it might sound overwhelming if that's not part of your routine, but it's not. I promise you, start by playing a worship song and just sit and think about it. Offer your praise to God. Read a chapter from his word. Start that habit, that discipline in your life, and you will be better for it. We all will be better for it. But we have to, to learn to refuel our spiritual batteries, and, and we will be able to minister so much more effectively. Lastly, kingdom time. This is a culture where the average person spends an equivalent, get this, we spend the equivalent of a 40-hour work week on media, most of us. That's a statistic, and it's staggering to me. So if we allow for eight hours of sleep every night, that means we have about 110 hours left over. If we follow a tithing principle according to scripture, that means we all should have a minimum of 11 hours a week that we give to God. And before you sit and say, oh, perfect, I got this, I do. Do you? Even if we count time that we spend here in church, are we tithing our time to the kingdom of God? Because God sees and God, God knows what we're doing with our time. What would happen if we were required to give an account for how we spend the hours in our day. I'm going to tell you, we are required. And there will come a day. And I don't want to be too negative and too heavy, but I have to say this. God really dealt with me when I was preparing this about my time. Someday I'm going to answer for every idle hour I have spent. Surfing Facebook, looking on Instagram, watching media, doing whatever 
when I could have been doing something, there's a, there's a place for all that, yes. But when I have a lost and a dying world, when I have neighbors that I haven't pro engaged with and shared the love of Jesus with and I have all this time for all these other things, God's going to hold me accountable for that. I am required to tithe my time to him. Is that extreme? Maybe. Is it radical? Probably. But is it necessary to reach our world? Absolutely. God is raising up a hardcore, sold-out group of apostolics in these last days, and we should have no problem giving at least a quarter of the time we give to other things to him. The times demand it. We need you. So it's time to enlist. Take stock of how you spend your hours, the hours God has given us, and ensure that you are doing your part to push his kingdom forward. We just got through a pandemic, and it challenged us because we got used to watching church online. We got used to catching up on media. We got used to canceling plans with friends. It just became easier to stay home and shut the door because we were told to. We're not, I'm just going to let someone know it's over. <laughs> It's over. <laughs> and it is time for us to enlist. It's time for us to shake off the cobwebs. We have a city that is lost, a city that we need to do everything in our power to reach and to win for him. When we could be showing up to pray when no prayer meeting has been called, when we could be calling on the sick when no one asked us to, because you don't have to wait for us to put you on a committee. You can do those things. What would happen if people just came to the church all on their own because they wanted to pray? We would, we would, honestly, we would blow the roof off of this place. And I'm talking to myself. Please don't think I'm preaching at you. I've been preaching at me all week long. God is calling us to shake ourselves. We need you. It is time to enlist, and it is time to give our time to the kingdom. Thank you, Kath. Um, and finally, last point, and uh, we wanted to take a moment and talk about family. Um, Paul, talking to Timothy, spoke about individuals that uh, desired the office of a bishop or wanted to move forward in their responsibility in the kingdom. One of the qualifications that he gave to Timothy, he said, if you're, if you're on the lookout for someone who's ready to move into the next level of responsibility, he said, here's one of the qualifications that's required. He said, one, that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his house, how can he take care of the, ch the church of God? And... He gave this responsibility for us to place a priority on family. That our family, we can get, it can become so easy for us to manage other responsibilities in our life, other callings, other duties, other uh, hobbies, all of those other things can, we can exercise excellence in those areas. But Paul was speaking to Timothy and he said, but if they miss this responsibility in their own home, he said, that, that man has to be marked because family has got to become a great priority. And we, we, uh, we didn't save the least for last. I think that we saved the best for last because um, 
I mentioned at the onset, it, strong families build strong churches. And the enemy is on all-out attack, not against jobs, not against, th there is an attack on the family at every level. And the responsibility that we have, as Paul gave Timothy, was to be on the lookout for individuals that say, you know what, I'm going to make family priority. It's one of the big rocks in my life that I'm going to ensure gets put in. It's going to, I'm going to make room for that rock. I'm going to ensure that, that my family, and, and we talked about it for the, for the dedication, that, <clears throat> that word that God gave to us and gave to Israel was that the words which I command you this day shall be in thine heart. You can teach them diligently. Thou shalt teach them diligently to your children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That we have this responsibility in every part of our day to ensure that our family is our priority. And that's our children. And, and I would say, you know, some people, they may dismiss this little part of the conversation, but um, we're all part of a family. I would say to young ladies preparing to get married to a young man, how does that, how does that man, that young man, uh, interact with his family? How does he respond to his father? How does he treat his mother? You know, how do we treat one another? What, what kind of family dynamic are we prioritizing? You know, our family has got to become our priority. And, and uh, I, I mentioned earlier that, that I, would, I would talk about this. We like a noisy sanctuary. We, we don't mind. Some people have asked me, did, did you hear the baby crying this morning? Usually when I'm preaching, no, I, I didn't. I didn't hear it. It's part of the background. It's part of the reality of life. It's part of who we are. It's, that's what we want. We don't want. We don't want quiet and perfect because that's not reality. We want family. We want this to be a place is, that's... That's home. That's, that's part of the reason why it's comfortable in the foyer. People have come through our office wing and they said, this is more like a house. Yeah, because we almost live here. We've got laundry out there. We could live here. We've got laundry. We've got shower. We've got couches. No bed, mind you. We, you, know, but <clears throat> you know, we could almost live here. It's, it's, it's the family of God. And, and so the responsibility that we that we place on family as a church family is going to be a priority that we place in our life. And, and so the reason, we're, we're talking about the, the why before we kind of go to the what. And we're getting ready to close. It's 1129, and uh, we'll be about another minute. But, but let me just talk to us, because we talked at the beginning about how impossible it is for us to, to let all these things move into our life and then make things fit, right? And I, you know... Again, I thank Pastor Matt for the help, but there is, <clears throat> there is as much sand in these two containers as there is in this little aquarium, okay? And that looks like an impossible responsibility. That's a full life right there. That's overfull. There's something that you're going to have to remove. If you're going, you're going to have to remove some priorities if you allow all of these realities to rule the day. There, there's some things that just, they're not going to fit. You, so you've got to pick which one are we going to, which one are we going to, you know, remove from our life? Are we, are we going to take away the treasure responsibility? Are we going to remove 
family? Well, we don't want to remove family. We've got to leave that. We can't remove faith because we want to make heaven our home. Um, talent, you know, our responsibility to learning and giving. And, and, you know, what are we going to remove? The reality is, is that if we take these priorities and we place them in our life, that, <clears throat> that things will begin to flow. Remember we talked about order? So if we get things in order in our life, and, and I know that this little guy here, he's got a bad leg. So we just carefully move that aside. And this is why we took some time to do this ahead of time because we knew we'd be running out of time. But the reality is, is that everything will fit if we don't allow all of those little realities to force the agenda for our day. When we say, God, we're going to make sure that we place the priorities of our life in first. Watch what happens. The same amount of stuff. But it all begins to flow and it all begins to fit completely when we make priorities number one in our life. As a matter of fact, we have a little room left over. So God is saying if we put these things in order in our lives, then we have the opportunity for life not only to be complete, but we've got room left over. There's, there's margin. There's margin so that we can connect with someone that needs connection. There's margin so that when the emergency comes, I, sometimes I call it DAA, Dad's Auto Service, Dad's Automobile Association, um, so that when DAA call, calls on the hotline and, and we've, got, we, we've got margin, we, I've got time for that. I, I can take time for that. We've got, we've got our faith intact and we've got all of these priorities that God has placed in our life in order in the kingdom and our life isn't empty. Our life isn't chaos. Our life isn't just kind of running to and fro, but, but we've got all those things in order. It's the same amount of stuff, but when we put it in order, when we allow God to give us the directive, when we take the word and we say, God, here's some things that you have emphasized in scripture that need to be priorities in our life. When we put those priorities in our life, all of a sudden we've got room to accomplish what God has called us to do. And that includes all of you. How many want to live a life ordered by God? That's why the psalmist said, order my steps in your word, God. Because when we put the word as that foundation, all of a sudden, God begins to bring order. When we begin to prioritize all of those things, our finances, we're going to prioritize them in the kingdom and watch how much further. 90% will always go further than 100%. And if we give into God's kingdom, it comes back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And instead of running out in life, we're running over in life. What about all of that treasure? What about our faith when we begin to exercise our faith and, and we begin to allow faith to become our daily routine and our, our responsibility becomes that number one thing part of our life? God, I'm trusting you with today. I've got faith. I am trusting you that all of a sudden things begin to come into order in our life. And we're not chaos. We're not removing things. We're not cutting things short. We're not cutting things in half. We're not, we're not dismissing our responsibility to any of these things. But because we put them in order, God allows our life to become fuller and more complete. Don't let the enemy sidetrack you. Don't let life sidewind you, get you off track. But allow God's priorities to become those foundation stones, the big rocks in your life and they'll hold everything in place and in order and God's kingdom will advance and you will too because we've made the room for priorities.
Well, thank God for Stephen Covey's little illustration. Thank Pastor Matt for helping me out. But most of all, thank you all for taking time this morning to allow us just to unpack some of those responsibilities. I wonder if you'd stand together with me. And if your family is close by, I know we did one family dedication this morning, but I'd like to do every family dedication today. And I wonder if we would commit to one another and commit to God and commit commit to ourselves that we're going to make these priorities the number one priorities in our life. Our families deserve our very best. Our churches deserve the very best. God deserves our very best. Our world deserves us at our very best. And that opportunity is ours. When we just kind of prioritize. If we, we don't, we don't need to kind of let our calendar dictate to us. We need to, we need to script our calendar in such a way that these priorities are in place. When Sunday rolls around, I'm going to be in church on Sunday. When Wednesday rolls around, I'm going to be in church on Wednesday. I'm hearing you, Pastor. Pre-service prayer, 5.30 on Sunday. We'll be there. Midweek service for children. Midweek service for youth. I, we can't afford for our kids to miss out on connection and faith. We can't afford for them to miss out on remnant. We can't afford for them to miss out on that. We can't afford for them to miss out on the Carters that were here with us last week. We, we need to make those level one priorities. We need that. And when we prioritize, everything else comes in. I promise you won't lose. I promise you won't leave with less. I promise that you'll leave with more. It'll be pressed down, shaken together, running over. How many grateful for God's blessing in your life? Why don't you just lift those hands one more time? Father, I thank you for your presence that has been in this room. God, in moments like these, you can allow people to reset. God, you can allow people to be restored. That, God, we, we give us the right. We give each other the right to start again afresh. God, we repent. It's a turnaround. It's a turning toward. It's, it's allowing you to place those priorities in our life. We got off track. We got sideways. We, we took some missteps. We made some mistakes. But God, I'm praying that in these moments that, that we will forgive to one another and families would renew the responsibility to one another that we have to making these priorities the number one parts. Our family devotions, our personal devotions. God, we stand today and, and we make declaration as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, as for me, it starts with me. But as for my house, in the level of leadership that I'm responsible for in my home, we're going to serve you, God. We're going to serve you. We're going to place priorities. We're going to place emphasis on those things, God. We're going to allow everything else to get pushed out of the way until we get the big pieces in place. And then, God, we'll, we'll make room for whatever else is left, but we know that that life is a full life. We know that that life is a profitable life, God. We know that that life is a life that you're going to look at and say, you used your faith well. You used your treasure well. You used your time well. You engaged your family. You engaged your faith. God, I pray today that those priorities would be number one in our life when we leave this room. We ask it in your precious name. Would, would you just take a moment and, and gather with your family and say, we're going to do this together. Someone just say, as for me and my house, maybe it's dad or maybe it's mom. 
maybe it's daughter, maybe it's son, I don't know, but would someone just say, as for me, Pastor Jack, and my house, we're going to serve the Lord today. We love you very much. I'm looking forward. It's going to be a powerful word tonight from Pastor Alex. Prayer meetings at 5.30. Prayers of priority. Prayers of priority. Amen. We challenge you this week to engage. We challenge you this week to take the lesson and implement it in your lives. You're dismissed this morning. God bless you today in Jesus' name. We love you all very much.